0: Hi, I'm Dr. Fred Silva of Arcana Laboratories, coming to you from Little Rock, Arkansas with another installment of Throwback Thursday. How it seems renal pathology has changed over the last 40 plus years to this rider. In other words, keeping up. It seems, like with pathology of all the organs, renal pathology has over the years become more challenging. Our diagnostic reports and discussions with the nephrologists have increased considerably in size and time and detail, often with new and sometimes complex consensus classification. What follows is a series of personal thoughts as to why that may be other than, of course, that the writer of this is a personal view and is becoming less educated over time. Number one, of course, there are new advances, new diseases, or old diseases rediscovered. Advances in immunofluorescence, such as subclasses of IgG for monotypic diseases, electron microscopy, organized deposits of different types, Special immunohistochemical stains such as PLA2R, thrombospondin, and other antigens in membranous glomerulonephropathy, or DNA JB9 for fibrillary glomerulonephritis, and especially other molecular biology genetic evaluations of certain diseases such as non responsive FSGS to steroids, Alport disease thrombotic microangiopathy, what we used to call MPGN type 1, now often called C3 glomerulonephritis, all of these have led to a better understanding and diagnosis and follow-up, and even therapy in some cases. These newer techniques will help us to further delineate the specific diseases and issues in these specific disorders. And of course, we deal with patterns, and the knowledge that the kidney responds in a limited fashion to a thousand different etiologic agents. That makes the clinical pathologic correlations even more important. Number two, hopefully newer improved and specific diagnosis, such as precision medicine for the individual, will challenge the renal pathologist to dissect further and more completely the etiology also known as the root cause of the disease, which will require more specific therapy in the future. New therapies will require more exacting diagnosis and, as an older article by Houston states, new therapies and new diseases. Number three, patients are living longer and getting older with more hits, confounding variables, also known as comorbidities, And in the past, we often had just one diagnosis on the diagnostic line, whereas now it is not uncommon to find in our medicalized society with 10 or 20 different diseases in the single patient and on 10 to 20 different drugs, a number of diagnostic lines, five or even more. All of these have to be dissected from each other and indicated how, if they do, correlate and relate to each other. Dr. Conrad Perani has always indicated in his Ten Commandments that the renal biopsy should not replace or be used in place of an appropriate laboratory test. Renal biopsies are now being taken before all clinical laboratory information is in, thus depriving the renal pathologist at the time of the biopsy of important clinical and laboratory information useful in the interpretation of the renal biopsy. Of course, there is no substitute for discussing the patients, which are becoming more complex, with the clinician in attempt to finalize the diagnostic report. It's my impression that the most difficult cases are solvable with discussion with the nephrologist. Dr. Prani always indicated that, quote, at the microscope is where the form and function meet End of quote. Number five, the bar, that is, expectations, has increased over time, as it should, and the need for second opinions in this increasingly subspecialized subspecialty of renal path seems to be increasing. Without an experienced nearby colleague, getting different views of the renal biopsy can be problematic, and delays can affect the patient in a negative way. Number six, the literature in this subspecialty is increasing it seems almost exponentially. Even the most renowned renal pathologists, no names here, who write textbooks find it virtually impossible to keep up with all the literature in renal pathology. Over two dozen nephrology journals appear weekly to monthly and even many important findings of renal diseases are published in non-renal journals such as Science, Nature, PLOS, and others. For example, a study of liver biopsy literature shows that one half of the important liver articles are published in non-hepatic journals. Various search sites can be of help, but of course abstracts electronically noted, for example PubMed, are often not indicative or representative of what is important in the article. Knowledge of the pathogenesis of renal disease will continue to increase and hopefully, this will lead to better therapeutic regimens. As we expand our knowledge, we expand our ignorance, to subquote Isaac Newton, we are learning with increasing amounts what we don't know. Number eight. The variations of morphology within a specific diagnosis continues to expand. That is, we first see the four plus levels of expression first, the tip of the iceberg, and then later the less severe lesions. For example, NIGBM was first noted chrysanic, then necrotizing, then milder morphologic changes and the renal pathology books with their page limits imposed by the publishers cannot detail the entire spectrum of morphologic changes within one diagnostic category. We are diagnosing certain renal diseases with earlier milder morphologic changes than ever before. Consider Bence jones cast nephropathy also known as light chain cast nephropathy without giant cells and without leukocytes around them, which was required several decades ago. Number nine, for several reasons, it seems that nephrologists are asking renal pathologists not only about the implications, that is, prognosis, f- follow-up, etc., of the renal biopsy pathology found, but questions that were not usually asked of the renal pathologists decades ago. For example, which therapy? What are the chances of coming off dialysis? Why did the serum creatinine bump? What really is the prognosis? This will require us as renal pathologists to consider therapy in our diagnoses. Number 10, and finally, one of the most common reasons for difficulty in interpretation of renal biopsies is that and this is my impression, and those of others, is that the amount of tissue that the pathologist is getting seems to be, in some cases, diminishing. Many of the renal biopsies are now done by the IR, interventional radiologists, who are used to driving deep into the tumors they biopsy. That's the majority of their work. And yet, of course, the deep part, the renal parenchyma, is not what we desire. We want the cortex with glomeruli. Problems in not getting enough cortex, read glomeruli for light, EM, and IF, makes it much more difficult for the renal pathologists and the nephrologists we serve. We often have to perform rescue paraffin IF or extract EM from the paraffin or even the material for IF with its subsequent artifacts. These cases often take longer to process and interpret than cases with even more difficult diagnoses. They are a considerable use of time and resources. So what will happen in the next several years? Stay tuned, and let's get to work. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes and Google Play stores. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.